You know what it is. That's right. It's time to talk money with your money nerd and financial coach. Now, tighten those purse strings and open those ears. It's the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Hey, everyone. I am so excited because today I have Scott LaPierre on the line. Now, Scott wrote a book called Your Finances God's Way, and he's here to talk to us about what type of spending problems we may encounter or have. So all of you spenders out there, and this would probably be a great episode to make sure you pay attention to. So with that being said, Scott, let's just dive right in. What are the types of spending issues people have and what are some ways to combat that? Great. So this was born out of some counseling I performed. We live in the wealthiest nation in the world, and not just the wealthiest nation in the world, but the wealthiest nation throughout human history. Many people who live below the poverty line in our country are wealthier than most people throughout the world and almost everyone throughout human history. And so the point is, we don't generally have income problems. We have enough money. It's usually spending problems that we have. And so I'd start meeting with people and notice some patterns. And so the first one, small purchases that add up. Some people might be struggling financially because they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on this house or started this business that tanked, but I didn't find that to be the case very often, Tiffany. Typically, it was people spending five, 10, 20, 30 dollars here and there and not really considering how that was affecting their budget and how that would add up to thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. And so if you just use someone as an example that <clears throat> perhaps is driving to work, stops to get his coffee each day, only thinks it's five bucks, and he does that five days per week over five years at $7,000. And then you add in, let's say there's eating out at restaurants or going to movies. And I'm not saying people can't have a line item in their budget for entertainment or eating out or something like that. But keeping in check, if people do put that line item in there, they're probably going to, let's say they've been eating out 20 times a week. Now they're going to be eating out five times a week. Instead, of, I'm not saying people can't get coffee on the way to work, but instead of doing it 25 times per month, they're now going to be doing it like seven or eight times per month. And all those things really help and really help people wreck the extra item with the store when you go. And so that was one of the first spending problems I noticed for people. The second spending problem I noticed was what I'd call worthless purchases. And I really want to qualify that. I don't mean it's a necessarily a worthless item. I just mean it's a worthless purchase to the person. So something could be valuable to one, to one person, but a worthless purchase is something you buy that has no benefit or value to you in the future, weeks or months down the road. And I think lots of us have purchased stuff and then it sits in our closet or in our garage or on that shelf. We never do anything with it. Could have been a great purchase for someone else, but for us, that's a worthless purchase. And so we really need to consider if I buy this right now, what, you know, just because it looks shiny to me and attractive, what value does it have for me down the road? And if it doesn't have any value for me down the road, then that's a pretty good indication that it's going to be a worthless purchase. And so that was one of the other things when I'm sitting with people looking at their finances or budgeting. Why did you buy that? And so it's like this. I noticed right here, you spent this money. Why did you buy this? And the common response is, I wanted it at the time. And I said, what have you done with it? Or how have you used it? And well, I have, and it's just been sitting there. We probably need to sell it at a garage sale, which of course you get, a, which is great, but you get a fraction of the price you paid for it. So that's small purchases that add up, worthless purchases, 
the third now, thing. Go ahead. Yep. Because mm-hmm. I want to pause there. Because when you said worthless purchases, right, my brain immediately went to the storage facilities. Oh, well. <laughs> yes, because that's immediately where my brain went. Because you just think about all of these storage facilities. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm like, I would love to own one because <laughs> they make a lot of money. But if you look at all these storage facilities, and a lot of people hold on to them forever, and they never go back to it. They just pay every month on autopilot. And at one point, the purchase was probably good. But I feel like those are full of this a ton of worthless purchases. (laughs) Now, this is so funny that you said this. I got to tell you something. We're talking about one chapter from my book, Your Finances God's Way. And I'm not joking. This is chapter 11. And I'm going to start to and I'm looking to the side while we're talking because I'm looking at some of the notes in my book. I'm going to read chapter 11 to you. Okay. it says many people throughout human history have wanted necessities. But the most common problem today is having too much stuff. In the past, people wanted food and clothing. We have too many clothes and we eat too much food. Okay, it's no surprise that storage space facilities are one of the fastest growing industries in the country. An article titled Self Storage How Warehouses for Personal Junk became a $38 billion industry. So that's actually how I began this chapter in my book. I'm not going to go, I could go further, but it, I've got a pretty lengthy quote there just about how storage facilities have been booming as an industry in our country. And the number of people spend, the average is about $100 per month. I think it's 90, let me see exactly. The average person spends $91.14 per month to use self-storage. When you're driving down the road, you see all these storage facilities and it's like, what do they have in there? They stop thinking about it, paying for stuff that they're never using. And yeah, you definitely touched a nerve there with me sharing that. <laughs> yeah. And I, he did not pay me to say that. <laughs> That's literally where my brain went was the storage facilities, because I know just like in my family and seeing other people close to me have these storage facilities. And I mean, for 10, 15 years and don't even go back to them, like have no idea what's in there. So my thing is, see, I grew up in a household where a lot of my family are hoarders. So they like to buy a lot of stuff and keep it around because my grandma's favorite thing is you never know when you might need it, right? It works for me because if I ever need anything, I'm like, hey, Nana, you got anything? But personally, I do not like a lot of stuff around for that reason. And like, for instance, when I first moved in my house, I had yard sales like every week because I was like, I don't want all this stuff to move in. And my family was like, you don't have anything to sell because to them it looks bare. But for me, I'm like, it's a ton of stuff. I'm one of those people where if it's sitting for too long, I'm ready to get rid of it. But I know the majority of people are not like that. Yeah. So I just wanted to pause there. Okay, so now we can go to number I I appreciate what you're saying because there's a lot of studies, this is indirectly related, about the anxiety that's caused by clutter. Secular studies, not even the secular world recognizes is the anxiety caused by clutter. We have nine children that we homeschool, so we could easily pack our house with tons of stuff. Some, something interesting happened. We moved twice recently. My, I don't want to go into too much detail. My dad passed away unexpectedly. My mom was lonely. We had to get a place with her, but to get a place with her, we needed to rent a place while looking for a place that would fit nine kids and have in-law quarters. So when we move, we sell a bunch of stuff. Then we move out of the rental into the house we buy, and sell a bunch of stuff again. It was like, I can't believe we still have that much stuff to to sell. My wife did this decluttering class recently for mothers. A lot of homeschool mothers tuned in, but I think a lot of mothers in general tuned in. And just how much simpler and easier your life is when you don't have stuff everywhere. So that's also one of the advantages 
of not buying things unnecessarily, not making those small purchases or worthless purchases. Now I have another follow-up because we're still going to be on this clutter thing. But I have went to a conference and one of the guys that was speaking, millionaire, he said he lives out of two suitcases. That's all he has. Doesn't have a house, doesn't have a car, but he travels the world and he'll just rent wherever he stays because he's there's no point in me having a house full of what? Full of, full, pretty much full of nothing. So he just has those two suitcases and that's what he has. So anyway, he was like, if you declutter your house, you declutter your mind and then you can declutter your relationships. And so I was on that whole, like going through my house, just going through things, trying to do the Marie Kondo method and everything. And lo and behold, I could think clearer. I was starting to declutter like relationships that no longer serve me and everything. And it just works so much in line. So I just wanted to bring that point up as well, because it was very helpful for me. Very good. Yeah, I guess going on to the third thing is spending problems often result from self-entitlement. Those words, I deserve this, have caused a lot of problems for people. Self-entitlement just means you feel entitled to have this because you... Maybe because you suffered something, you're talking about relationships, you had a bad relationship, you went through something difficult, or you're rewarding yourself and you get this promotion. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a place for rewarding ourselves. I, in my book, I talk about, hey, you paid off all your debt. Now it's time to perhaps reward yourself with that vacation that you weren't going to take while you were trying to pay off your debt or tell or get your kids involved and say, once we do this, we're going to go here, we're going to do this. So there is a place for it, <clears throat> but I think it's much better when it occurs because you planned for it. Versus just telling yourself, I deserve this, I've earned this. And often when people say those words, the only thing they really earn themselves is greater debt and usually some regret and shame in the future. And so entitlement is a is a big problem. We need to ask ourselves, is this something that really benefits me or is it something that I'm convincing myself I should have and then I'm going to suffer because of that later? The next spending problem <clears throat> is misunderstanding good deal. I was a business major in college and one of the, I don't remember a ton of stuff, but one of the classes I remember is marketing and good businesses or good marketers always make people feel like they're getting a good deal. That's how it works. And if you speak to most people when they purchase something, rarely will you find someone who tells you that they didn't get a good deal. You would almost think that the way all these people around us are getting all these good deals, how do any businesses stay in business? How have they not all run out of money since everyone's just supposedly ripping them off by all of the purchases they're making <clears throat> and there's a proverb you know about that the person that says oh it's garbage but then walks away boasting about the purchase and we don't really understand good deals because we're being i don't want to say deceived but there's good marketing that makes us feel like it's a good deal when it's not and so that brings up a question how do we know because there are there actually are good deals and that's what we want to find so i'm not trying to discourage your listeners from finding good deals so then the question becomes how do you know when you're getting a good deal and the answer is you've got to do your research. There's no other way about it. So there's two two points I'll tie together here. The first one about doing your research and the second one is waiting two weeks or longer if you really want to be certain. So here's what I say to people. They're thinking of a purchase, usually one of consequence. So I'm not talking like 10, 20 bucks, thousands of dollars, new vehicle or something. Um, you want to wait at least two weeks before making that purchase to do your research. And you'll be surprised how many times you'll see that same item available frequently at a cheaper price and be glad that you didn't buy it then. But if you don't wait that two weeks, you're not going to have the time to do your research. So every time we bought a vehicle, 
I'm not a, I'm not a vehicle guy. I'm always paying people to fix my stuff for me, but I'll have my spreadsheet and I'll, I'll start listing all these vehicles by year mileage. I kind of have this little weird formula where it's like years, mileage and the model. And then it lets me know whether it's a good deal. And so there's this one day I was running after you get, let's say 30 to 50 vehicles there, you're going to become an expert on a price associated with the year and the miles. It's, you're just going to write, and they're all about the same, right? This one day, everything's looking about the same. And then this one vehicle just shoots off the page. And I was like, man, that almost looks like a mistake. It had just come on the market, this van, because with nine kids, we needed a 15 passenger van. And so I called the gentleman and he says, he said, I'm not joking. He said, wow, you're fast. Cause I just listed this. And I said, is this the correct price for this? And he said, yes. And so here I've been waiting all these weeks. And it was like that day, I'm like going to take off work. I'm going to drive four hours to go pick this up. And I told the guy, I said, I'll come right now to buy this. I just want to guarantee that you're not going to sell it to someone else. <clears throat> so he says, he'll hold it for me. And so I get there and I said, if you don't, if you don't mind me ask, cause there was this kind of kangaroo logo on the side of it. And I said, can you tell me the story behind this? And he says, I don't own the van. My friend is a restaurant owner and he bought the van for the restaurant. He never used it. He just wanted to get rid of it. And I, and so I listed it for him and I think you're getting a really good deal. Cause since you called 500 other people have called, but the only thing is I wouldn't have known that was a great deal if I hadn't been doing all that research. And so it, I'm not joking. I think it was probably four. I think I could have paid four or $5,000 more for it than I actually did. So you need to wait to do that research. And then have you heard of the Stanford marshmallow experiment before? I'll share that with your listeners. Okay. And I don't know how much time. Oh, is it with the kids? Yes, I do know that study, but yes, please okay. tell the audience about it. <laughs> okay. So there's this great study and I would encourage your listeners to check it out. You can read about it or you can even go to YouTube and watch videos, which is a little more entertaining of these children. So here's the story behind it. They bring these children into this room one at a time and they put them at this table where there's this plate with a marshmallow on it. And they tell the kids, if you'll wait, then I'll give you another marshmallow. And I don't remember if they told them how long they'd have to wait. And if you want it, you can eat it right now, but then you only get one marshmallow. So they leave the room and they have these videos of these kids and they're almost like cheering for them. You're watching them wringing their hands and licking their lips and rubbing their faces and grabbing the table. And sure enough, all of the kids fall into one of two categories. There's those kids that ate the marshmallow and then there's those who waited to get the second marshmallow. And so that's not the end of the study. They follow these kids over the next 20 years, and then they evaluate them in the future, <clears throat> and they found how much more successful all those kids who waited were than all of those kids who didn't wait. And I don't just mean like successful in one area of life, like literally successful in pretty much every single demographic they could test, whether it's body weight or test scores or income or relationships. So the point is, the ability to be patient, which is why God's word or the Bible discusses patience so frequently, the ability to be patient and wait applies to not just finances, but to everything, marriage, jobs. And so if you can develop that skill, which all of us struggle with impatience, how many of us sit at a red light and sit there or we're in the line at the checkout and say, oh, I'm so glad all these people are in front of me. None of us do that. We're all super busy. We don't like to be patient, but if we can master this skill, there's incredible benefits, <clears throat> especially regarding our finances and being patient with them. Absolutely. And that kind of all boils down to delayed gratification, right? So if you can delay, and luckily I mastered this pretty early, like in my 20s, early 20s, but 
if you could just have delayed gratification just for a little bit, I call it short-term sacrifice for long-term gains. If you can just sacrifice just a little bit, the end result could be so much bigger than, for instance, with the kids. They could get the one marshmallow or they could just wait a little bit and get the second marshmallow. So pretty much doubling what they would have had had they just delayed. So the same thing translates over into a lot of things in life. Like you said, not just your money, but across the across the span of things you can think about. So yeah, how many I, people have gotten married? Because they were being impatient and they had parents warn them and say, hey, don't do this or don't marry this person. And <laughs> that was humble. <laughs> I didn't know that when I said that. So. <laughs> for, all the listen- for all the listeners or all the people listening and not watching, Tiffany's pointing at herself. I'm assuming you've shared some of this with your listeners, but I, didn't, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. And because I did not have delayed gratification, I ended up in a ball of mess. But that's another podcast episode for another day. But it's so real. If we can just take a step back and I even do this with a, with smaller purchases, too. Like if it's anything over, I would say, a hundred dollars. And what I'll do is I'll put it in my cart and then I'll leave it at least 24 hours. And then if I come back to it, then okay, I really wanted it. But if I don't, then it's like, usually I don't, usually it just stays there. And then I'll come back like months later and I'm like, oh, I know I had this delete, that type of thing. So I even take it a step further and I'll do that with smaller purchases and use the 24 hour method. That's a really great approach. I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Feel free to use it. So anyway, so we went over the smaller purchases. We went over... I can um, just run through them really quickly. Yes, like, Yeah, spending problems often result from small purchases that add up from worthless purchases, things we buy that don't have any benefit to us in the future. Third, from self-entitlement saying, I deserve this, I should have this. And then fourth, from impatience, which is basically, I want this now or I need this now. So there's two different things. There's, I deserve this, I should have it. And then there's also, I want it or I need it now. There's also, number five, misunderstanding good deals. When people misunderstand good deals, they think they're getting a good deal. And the solution is to wait and do your research. Wait and do your research are the two solution recommendations I have for people. Absolutely. Very solid advice. I completely, my name is Tiffany and I endorse this message now. <laughs> and this is just one chapter from my book. And so I, from your finances, God's way. And yeah, I hope that there's a lot of other practical advice in there for people. Absolutely. So speaking of the book though, if people were interested in either getting the book or finding out more about you, how could they reach you? Yeah, very good. Your Finances God's Way, it's available on Amazon or pretty much wherever books are stole, sold, Barnes and Noble, Christianbook.com, and most people are familiar with Amazon. I don't sell it directly through my website, but uh, my website's where you can find more information about me. There's links to my books there. My website is scottlapierre.org and you'll put that in the show notes. And if people go to my website, I have a free gift for them there. It's it's a small booklet. It's not a huge read. It's for marriage. I have another book on marriage. And so this, and this isn't that book, but this is a short read on marriage. It's called Seven Biblical Insights for Christ-Centered Marriages. And so I hope that'd be a blessing to your listeners. And there's a contact page on my website. If people have any questions, they can reach out to me. But my website, scottlapierre.org is the hub where you find my social media, my books, my speaking events, and so forth from there. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Scott. And like you said, I will have all that information in the show notes. So don't worry if you're driving, you're doing something else while you're listening. I will have that in the show notes. You can always go back and check it out. So thank you so much for coming on the show. This was so insightful and hopefully it helps someone today. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Tiffany, for having me. God bless you and your listeners. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you for listening, joining, and being a part of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast this week. You can check Tiff out every Thursday for a new Money Talk podcast. But if you just can't wait until next week, you can listen to previous podcast episodes at moneytalkwitht.com or follow Tiff on all social media platforms at Money Talk with T. Until next time, spend wise by spending less than you make. A word to the money wise is always sufficient. <laughs>